Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. anybody but i still don't think pessy is finished this is the arsenal vision post-match world cup daily my name is alex smith you can find me on twitter yankee gunner uh arsenal won today the most important news of the day in football arsenal won twice actually because we won in regulation time and then we won on penalties and we won the dubai cup which matches at least in prestige all of spurs trophies for the last 60 years which include the audi cup so congratulations to us for winning a midseason slash preseason tournament uh, that now puts us level on trophies with Spurs for meaningless, trivial trophies. To be fair, we probably won a lot of other preseason trophies now that I think about it. But be that as it may, the reason I bring it up is over on the Patreon side. We actually did an instant reaction for it. Turned into quite a chat about Nketiah, the attack, the air, and all that. So that's there if you are craving content about Arsenal. If you are craving World Cup Daily content, though, you come to the right place because we are going to talk about... Let's just say his name the right way. Let's not indulge in the Twitter trolls. Let's talk about Lionel Messi and his performance and Argentina's performance in reaching the World Cup final. Is he finally going to be World Cup winner Lionel Messi so people can finally agree that he might be good? Wouldn't that be a nice thing? Here to discuss that with me now is Lewis. You can find him on Twitter at LG Ambrose. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Elliot. And Phil Costa. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil Costa. Hello, Elliot. Nice to see you again. It's been a while. Feels like it's been a while. You've been such a regular part of my routine that I, I feel like it's weird when I don't see you for a couple of days now. What's going to be weird is when we do the post-tournament pod and the next time we talk to each other is in two years. So. <laughs> well, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> when we bring out this theme music again. People love the tournaments because they get the tournament theme music, which Roxy did such a good job with. Um, okay, so there's not a hell of a lot here, if we're being honest, but Phil, like... It is the case that we want the sharp end of tournaments, you know, the semifinals, the finals, to be turned by the best players. That's really what we want, right? And sure enough, we got it. We got Lionel Messi scoring a sensational penalty. We got Lionel Messi involved in a nice counterattacking goal. I do think that outside of the boot touch to set them off certainly um, helped things. But then Julian Alvarez just decided, like, I'm going to run in a straight line and let Croatia players bounce balls off of me until it goes in the net. Then we get Lionel Messi with a vintage Barcelona-style Champions League-looking Messi um, wheeling and dealing inside the box and setting up a third goal for, you know what? Julian Alvarez. So let's just get into it. Lionel Messi, I think this guy's legacy is is that he's a pretty good footballer. Are we, are we ready to finally say that? I mean, if there was, if there was any question, any hint... Any muffle of debate, that performance right there, not that he needed it, but it's pushed any doubts 
right down to the earth's core and never to be heard again. And I don't want to Until hear... Until you go into the replies of some gold.com. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you see uh, Ronaldo flexing his 11 goals against Luxembourg. But, um, you know, it <laughs> wasn't... It wasn't even a debate. It, let's be honest here. It was never a debate. And I'm just glad that we can keep whacking these moles down because it, he's just brilliant. Even now when he can't run, he's still brilliant. I mean, that how he's managed to adapt his game in a kind of Santi Cazorla-esque old man fashion. Um, it's just brilliant. And look, Argentina, they've they've figured things out along the way. I think Lionel Scaloni deserves credit for that. He had a couple of dodgy lineups, a few dodgy games at the start, but he's really found his his eleven now. And yeah, messy brilliance. It wasn't really much of a contest, which is a shame, but I just think Croatia had kind of nothing left in the tank. But this was all about Messi completely. And I loved it. I cheered yeah. I cheered that last goal like I was born in Buenos Aires. <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> I love it too. I can't explain it's weird, right? Because like I don't like Ronaldo, and there's so many reasons I don't like him, but there are plenty of reasons I could not like Messi. I don't know if I like him because he's the anti-Ronaldo in some ways, and so that alone, I mean, there's plenty of reasons I could not like him. I think one of the reasons I do like him, though, is for me, he's the best footballer I've ever seen play. Ronaldo was an absolutely extraordinary goal, goal scorer in his pump. But if you said to me, like, who would you rather watch in their prime, Ronaldo or Thierry Henry? Like, <laughs> I'll take Thierry Henry. I, I just think the artistry and the poetry and the pace and the skill and the the imperiousness, the ego of his game in his pomp rivals the things you've seen from Ronaldo. Now you can say that's absurd. Ronaldo's had 60 goal seasons or whatever. I get it. But what I can't deny is no one has ever done it quite like Messi. Uh, watching him is is about constant amazement and constant innovation in the game. Um, maybe not as much now as it once was, of course, because he's 35, but... I consider that young, <laughs> so that's okay. So that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll let you have your word on on, on Messi Lewis, and I do want to get to Argentina too because I think I think how good they've been in this tournament is maybe a little bit misunderstood. But before we get to that, what, what's your take on Messi's role in this performance? I will say that sometimes when the greats do anything, we tend to be like, "Oh my God, look what they did!" Or, you know, they were standing near the ball when someone else kicked it, and the- like there is sometimes a tendency to overstate the influence of the greats, but I don't think that's the case here. And as silly as it sounds, even the penalty for a guy who's had a reputation of not always being great at penalties, like he roofs one in the semifinal to open the scoring. This was Messi proving a point for me. That was like, that was my first thought when the penalty went in, by the way, was that <laughs> like, this is the one thing that, that he's not, um, no, st- 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 statistically speaking, he's not bad at, but he's sort of average at, and then in that moment, nil nil in a World Cup semi-final, it like under those circumstances, he hit the most unstoppable penalty I've ever seen in a mm-hmm. you know, with those stakes on the line. We've all seen unstoppable penalties. I can't remember a penalty that I've seen that was so unstoppable in a moment like that, like on a stage like that. Um yeah, my take on Messi. <laughs> well, <laughs> shock horror. I think he's the greatest player to ever play football. It's uh, yeah, I like for me. It's a it's, I every time I see him, it's a privilege. It, it's as simple as that. I I agree completely. You know the the Ronaldo Henri thing, Ronaldo, and and I think you can throw twenty other names in there and and feel similarly and, and throw Ronaldo in a debate with twenty other guys that we've watched over the last twenty or thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, and no one stands up for me to to Lionel Messi. The sort of the as you said, Elliot, he combines I guess the the fleeting ro- uh, romantic moments that you get from some of the world's most skillful players, but with the efficiency and goal tallies of Ronaldo at the same time. Ronaldo just like a, a passionless machine, just you know standing around the the penalty spot and heading balls in for Juventus and. You know, whacking in free kicks or penalties and, and getting on the end of things for Real Madrid and 60 goals a season is other than Messi something we've never ever seen before yes. um, I think if Ronaldo had been 10 years older that Ronaldo wouldn't have done it and he was 30 goals a season would have been enough to win the Ballon d'Or every year essentially and that's how many he would have scored I think he can thank Lionel Messi for his career pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and look, no one else has been able to be pushed as much as Ronaldo to keep up with the goals that Messi scored. But Messi's played like a number 10 or like a winger. Like Ronaldo's played uh, the majority of the last 10 years like a poacher, standing in the middle of the box or or getting in the middle of the box. Yeah, don't take anything away from the movement uh, and getting on the ends of things and being clinical, which is and remains and always will be the hardest thing in the entire sport. Uh, but Lionel Messi does it while also being the best winger in the world and the best midfielder in the world and the best creative player in the world and then scored as many goals as Ronaldo scored all at the same time and scored them all by creating half of them for himself. Um, yeah, you know, that that third goal today was uh, like sort of it, really th- a throwback to five, six years ago when he was like athletically his best, I would say. Uh, for me, yeah, he's like Phil said. There's no need to to use tonight for any sort of debate. Like, oh look, 35 year old Lionel Messi went on a great run against Croatia. <laughs> Does not mean that he's definitely better than Cristiano Ronaldo ever was. Uh, but it felt very apt. I think that he did that tonight. It, you know, his last World Cup. This is his last chance. Mm-hmm. And I think in in 2014 he dragged Argentina as much as he could but even then they needed they were close games they needed penalty shootout uh, against the Netherlands in the in the semi-final that time around uh, today there was it felt like it has felt like for a lot of this tournament Messi's not going to let that happen and and the players the team are, are much better than they've been I think at any time during his time in the national team they've figured out how to be a team around Lionel Messi and I think they completely deserve their place in the final to be honest I think that's right. Um, before we get to Argentina more broadly, let's talk a little bit about um, Julian Alvarez too. Uh, I think it's tough, Phil, because this is one where like Twitter exploded. I hate to use Twitter's litmus test, but it is sort of like my version of the pub because that's you know how I'm able to engage with everybody. And it exploded on the Julian Alvarez end to end goal. But like, I don't know. It's pretty lucky. <laughs> I mean, you know, I hate It's super lucky. Okay, okay, good. Okay, good. I hate yeah, yeah, that yeah. Guy, but like, okay, like, and by the way, there was just a lot of that, like, calamitous car crash defending from Croatia in their penalty box, which is not what you expect from them. And Vardio, like, didn't cover himself in glory on the Messi goal. And, like, there were legs flailing at stuff and not getting to them on the penalty and on the, um, you know, but not just penalty. But I mean, the Julian Alvarez goal, there's... The first tackle that's missed where they should have taken the ball off him. Then the second one where it's just tamely tapped to him. And to be fair, he re- he reacts really well to flick it into the net in the end. 
I actually think if that doesn't become a goal, people are saying, how do you not pass it to someone there? How do you not, you know, pass it outside or, or, or play the through ball? But what are your thoughts on Alvarez? I mean, obviously one of the big differences in this Argentina side is when they decided to start, you know, to go to, to go to Alvarez, he's made a big difference. I don't know that that goal is a classic, but he's been, he's been so influential. Yeah, definitely. Um, we spoke about it after Lataro Martinez started the, the first couple of games and mm-hmm. it's just his ability to to run in behind. Um, I just think he's a really smart footballer. He gives Argentina a lot in how, you know, tactically they can vary their play because with Lataro Martinez and Lionel Messi, it was too much, you know, it was too static you know it kept coming to feet and there was nobody willing to run in behind especially because they were playing Papu Gomez out wide and Di Maria out wide who were not those players I mean Di Maria maybe was once but he's not anymore so just the the willingness of Alvarez to run in behind to really play on the shoulder has given defenses you know not only more to think about running back towards their own goal but it's also freed up more space for Messi um, which just made a whole lot of sense to me and we were calling for it calling for it, calling for it, and quite happy with with Julian Alvarez because I'm a big fan. I have been a big fan. He kind of broke out for River Plate in the Copa Libertadores and when Lacazette was in prime Krispy Kreme mode, um, I I sort of pointed him out on Twitter and said, hmm, what about this guy? Um, and that was last year, so I'm going to take some flowers for that. But I think he's just a really smart player who can be the kind of poacher but he's also got really strong technique on both feet. He can go in behind, he can come short. Um, and I think, I think Lewis, you, you tweeted it. It's a bit of a piss take that, you know, they can rest Man City can rest Erling Haaland and then, and then just bring this guy out. So, you know, I just think tactically he's, he's done a lot for this side and, and he's taken his chance. I mean, he's scored six, six goals and eight starts for Argentina now. Um, with three, uh, and, that, and that's incredible because we've seen through the years, it's been Higuain, it's been Aguero. Um, you know, it, even before that, they've had such a host of incredible strikers and maybe he doesn't reach that X factor. But I think for this side, he's kind of perfect. Um, and he's he was given his chance in the group stage and he's been there ever since. And mm-hmm. that's truly down to him and how he's been performing. Even if his second goal, uh, sorry, even if his goal was super jammy it was and i and i didn't understand i think maybe because it's a semi-final and everyone was just ready to you know be excited about something but like you said if they don't make a goal from that situation i can't remember who it was on the left maybe alexis McAllister, but it w- he should have given that ball 10 seconds before <laughs> um but yeah great moment for him and, and he's done really well yeah it certainly has a bit of the flavor of comes to Arsenal in three seasons after Pep never used him as more than a rotational option. So I would certainly take that. Have I we mean, got precedent for that? I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. Cross your fingers yeah. and cross them he, tightly. He says crying in knee surgery. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Lewis, I wonder just real quick on the Croatia side of it, a golden generation of sorts that, you know, now we'll have to reload. Modric, obviously, one of the best to ever do it himself. Do you think it's a case of an old team where a compressed World Cup schedule was just too much for them. Because while I don't think they've been brilliant at any point in this World Cup, I think they were pretty darn bad in this game. And it's always hard to tell, were they bad or were they bested by a better team? 
It can be a little of both. Not much happened in this game until it did. And once it did, it, it reminded me almost of the, gosh, which game was it? Where was it? Someone ran absolutely riot and embarrassed someone. France, Switzerland, Holland, Switzerland? Was that who? Portugal, who did Holland? Someone embarrassed someone where like once the, oh, it was Switzerland, Holland, wasn't it? Switzerland, Portugal? Switzerland, Portugal. I, That's think, I think it was Portugal. I, yeah, I've, right. done a, I've done a podcast every single day of this tournament and I remember it very clearly. All of these countries just it, they, melded it all into just one with, at some point. You know point. what? They're all, in, they're all in the EU. Why do they want to be remembered separately? Um, but <laughs> well, that'll go down well. Um, <laughs> Brexit means Brexit. Uh, so my point though was that, you know, once they went down a goal, they sort of seemed to lose a sense of how they were supposed to play and, and it became very easy. And I, I, I sort of feel like, a tired and old Croatia gave away the penalty, went down a goal, and didn't have answers after that. But is that narrative or do you, do you see it similarly? I, I think this is... I, would, I'd, uh, I, I don't think that this level, like a collapse or anything, has been in the post. But I think a two-goal deficit has been in the post. And they just haven't gone two goals down. Like, the if you go back to... I mean, even the Brazil game. The, the Brazil game ended and everyone's just talking about the goalkeeper. If that ever happens, then your game plan wasn't necessarily yeah. the best yeah. possible game plan. And the if you go back further to the group stage, the game against Belgium, everyone's talking about Lukaku missing three or four sitters, and he only came off the bench last half an hour. Uh, you know, but Belgium, who by the way were awful, easily could have battered Croatia. So I th- I think this team. And it was the same the last World Cup, even though them, you know, they're older now. Uh, Rakitic is gone, but it's pretty much the same team, largely. Um, you, you don't have Rakitic. You don't have. I think they miss that focal point of Mandzukic up front, but otherwise, you know, you've sort of got the same team. It's the same idea. The midfield is technically brilliant, but Croatia is really good when nothing's going on, and they're really good at making nothing go on because you can't get the ball off the midfielders. They'll sort of, you know, the wings backs will get forward. The centre halves are solid as they get, and then games just sort of die very slowly in midfield. I think when they don't have the ball, they've looked poor. Uh, it happened against Belgium, as I said. It mm-hmm. happened against Brazil. It happened against Japan in the first half, and, and then they grabbed an equaliser right after half time. And then Japan, I think, got really nervous, and and Croatia with that technically brilliant, you know, world class midfield managed to to sort of grab the game and take the momentum from there. But I don't know. Like It's hard because tournament football is just so... You can play games where nothing really happens and you can draw a load of matches and then you get really far. Croatia have reached a World Cup final and a World Cup semi-final and credit to them, but they've not won a single knockout game in 90 minutes along the way, which yeah. doesn't tell me that this is a great team that keeps a load of clean sheets and... You know, can can nick a goal at the other end. The group stage, we know how great we didn't at the time. It was the opening match day, but we know how great Morocco have been defensively. Um, you know, they beat uh, Canada side, uh, which is nothing really. They were really good against Canada, but it's nothing really to write home about. And then, as I say, the other two games were nil nil against Morocco and a good Morocco team, and nil nil against a Belgium side that battered them. Um, I don't. Like it's great for them that they got this far again, uh, but I think this easily could have happened against Brazil. I think the the first half against Brazil was good from Croatia's perspective. I the second half was really bad. They they barely got out of their half. Uh, mm. They, they revi- uh, relied on Livakovic to keep them in the game. 
And today, I think the the kicker was just that the two goals came so close back to back. I think if the first one happens and then it stays 1-0 for a while, they maybe have time to regroup and get a bit of control and keep the ball for a while. And, and maybe at some point they create something. The second goal came immediately. And I don't think, I don't think Croatia thought, I don't, I don't think anyone on the pitch thought, and I certainly don't think any of the Croatia players thought they had any prayer as soon as it was 2-0. Yeah, I mean, Argentina, Phil, apart from the Saudi Arabia game where they had a one-goal lead, had a 2-0 lead over Mexico, 2-0 lead over Poland, a 2-0 lead over Australia, 2-0 lead over the Netherlands, and a 2-0 lead that became a 3-0 win over Croatia. They've really been very good. They've been very solid. I think the fact they haven't been a ton of fun, that they've let some leads go, I don't know if it's concentration or what the case may be, um, that they, you know, look, narrative is hard to fight back on. They lost the first game of the tournament to Saudi Arabia, and that's the thing that people sort of evaluated them by. But really, they're probably the most consistently successful team in this tournament. Easy to say for a team that has just made the final. I get it. But, you know, they aren't a team that got there on a bunch of nil-nils and penalties. They, they've, they've sort of consistently produced, but they've done it without maybe some of the eye-catching football that we saw from, like, a Brazil at times or a, a France at times. And so maybe have gone under the radar to the extent that a team led by Lionel Messi into the final can... Can they go on and win it all now? I mean, how how would let's say France get past Morocco, and I'm not saying I hope that happens. I'd love to see Morocco get there for that story. But if we think France are able to get past Morocco, I still think France is probably just about the favorite. Having said that, the England game was the first time I looked at France and said, there's not a whole lot about you if you're able to shut down Mbappe, which the English were able to do. So what do you think the likelihood is that, that, that France goes on and does it and, and Messi gets his World Cup? I mean, of course, France will be the favourites against Morocco, but, you know, we spoke about it in the in the preview uh, podcast heading into the tournament. You just cannot underestimate this narrative, this messy <laughs> narrative that's been bubbling on, you know, and we're slowly seeing it. I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that Saudi Arabia defeat skewed a lot of um, opinions about this team because ultimately... They were heading into the tournament on a, what, 36-game unbeaten run or 35-game unbeaten run. I mean, they were one game away from equaling Italy's record of 37 games unbeaten. So look, this is, it's a freak result and Saudi Arabia did did brilliantly well, but that could have been 4-0 on another day, you know, if their line was just a centimetre more uh, closer to goal or, you know, Lataro Martinez could time his run, you know, that could have easily been a high scoring game the other way in favor of Argentina. So I, I just think they're kind of having a talisman like Messi forces you to, to kind of play around them. And I, and I think Lewis spoke about it earlier. You need to find the formula. And I think now they've got it. I didn't like a couple of their lineups earlier on in the tournament. I thought mm. they put too many tried and trusted players. And I think the Saudi Arabia game maybe spooked Scaloni a bit. He's a young manager, and I think he got a bit scared and thought, oh my goodness me, am I going to leave Argentina out of the, the World Cup now? I think, um, did he make like seven, cha- six or seven changes or something from that game? Like they'd, Saudi Arabia had two, five. Saudi Arabia had yeah. two shots on target and Argentina mm-hmm. had the ball in the net four times. And then he yeah. he changed the half, like panicked completely and changed half the team. Yeah. And I, you know, but they were playing like Papu Gomez and... Um, you know, uh, Guido Rodriguez, Di Maria wasn't fit and they just looked so slow and 
uninspiring, but now they've put some youth in the team. I mean, Enzo Fernandez has been a bit of a revelation in midfield. We spoke about Julian Alvarez before. Alexis McAllister made a really nice impact. I think Rodrigo de Paul found his um, legs again after two terrible first games. And like you said, they're just solid. Defensively, I think actually they've been really good. I mean, Otamendi, we haven't spoken about him much because Guardiol has taken a lot of the headlines and there's been a couple of others, but Otamendi's been, been brilliant this tournament. So I just think they deserve credit for kind of getting on with their business nice and quietly, making a couple of tweaks and just giving a platform for Messi to really go and strut his stuff. And it wasn't a guarantee that Messi could do this. I mean, I know he's having a really good season for PSG, but there was no guarantee that he would just turn up and drag them to the final like he did in 2014. Um, but he's done it and in quite exceptional fashion, really. And I don't know, I've just, it's, the narrative is just so strong. I don't know, I, you can't deny this. The way it's going for them, the way Messi's been performing, there's a real togetherness about this side. Half of Argentina seems to be in Qatar at the moment. And I just think it's there. It's there for him. 35 years of age, last World Cup. Go and take it, mate. Go and get it and crown off your career in, in wonderful fashion before you go and sit on a deck chair in Miami. Um, that's how I see it. And win seven MLS titles in a row. <laughs> <laughs> While walking 94 minutes every week. As yeah, I mean, that'd only be about four minutes more than now, but it's still more than enough. I want to talk about tomorrow's game a little bit. Um, but before I do, I do want to let you know this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online therapy, but it's real therapy. And unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Okay, navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, becoming a parent. Again, I talk about this a lot, but therapy doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, I'm in a crisis. I have to admit, just this week, felt like I've been going through a hard time. Winter, you know, sun's not out, stuck in the house, work getting a little stressful. These are the kind of things that like, yeah, you, you can lean on your partner, you can lean on your family and your friends, but sometimes you just need someone whose job it is to help you work through that stuff. BetterHelp is connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. Convenient, accessible, it's 100% online. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed embedded therapists, 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with therapists. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch. It couldn't be easier. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's better help. H-E-L-P. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. Need somebody. Betterhelp.com slash vision. Phil, is that enough of that? Indeed. Got it. Lewis, do you have France ending the Moroccan dream or do you have the home crowd atmosphere and this surging momentum of, of the first African nation to make it in the semifinals, carrying them through against a France team that will have to bear the weight of expectation? How do you see it playing out? It's France for me. I I think there's something. Killjoy. It, it feels like there's something very inevitable about France. Um, uh, you you could feel it during the England game. The England game. I thought England were for large parts for the majority of the game the better team. But France were never behind, and I think France played like they were very aware that they were never behind. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. it, it, they were ahead, and then they were quite happy not to have the ball. 
and mm-hmm. to sit back and uh, England equalized and then France turned it on again. It was like, I think uh, I remember, I think maybe reading on Twitter that right after England had scored and an, uh, an English journalist tweeted something like, you know, oh, France have, have been on the back foot for a while now. And then the problem is it's really hard to turn it back on. And as I was reading the tweet, it was like Rabio forced Pickford into the first thing he had to do for about half an hour and uh, with a shot from the edge of the area. I just think France can turn it on uh, as and when they please pretty much. I think they when the game demands it, it, it's not a style of football that I like and it's not a style of football that I think is conducive to the most success. Definitely not in a league, but in a tournament, it's <laughs> working out for them just fine. I think in, you know, in a league, 38 league, uh, league game season, you'd drop too many points because you would sort of get stuck in treacle when you start to try running again and you'd pay you know momentum away games the crowd gets on your back when when someone equalizes i think you'd pay for it in a tournament it's not the worst idea to make sure that you don't get done on the break when needlessly when you're already ahead anyway so can i ask you a question is there a time to get done on the break needfully (laughs) you <laughs> said yeah, don't get done yeah. on the break needlessly I, I guess yeah, yeah you're like pushing you're to like try to get back down, right? got it got it got it, got it. Yeah. okay, okay. Um, sorry continue it's, it's an absolute necessity to go 4-0 down on the break when you're 3 <laughs> it's most, nil, da- most uh, dangerous score down. in football right after 2-0 um, <laughs> yeah so like, but yeah I just I just think France have too much for 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 Morocco I, you know they did England did keep Mbappe quiet but I think England have in Kyle Walker the player in the entire world most suited for the role of keeping Kylian Mbappe quiet. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi has the same physical attributes. Uh, defensively, I don't think he's anywhere near Kyle Walker. Not yet, anyway. Uh, he's definitely... He, he's like the the Tottenham version of Kyle Walker, like <laughs> bombing down the wing and... Well, now I can't root for Morocco. I don't want the Tottenham version of anything. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, like, completely... Well, you've got Hugo Lloris in goal. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Evil powers Morocco. up against each other. Um, and, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think with the defensive injuries that we spoke about after the after the quarterfinal as well, Morocco. I mean, there was talk today that Majrawi will be back, Aguero will be back. It, it's hard not to believe that <laughs> these players are half fit and doing absolutely everything just to play in the World Cup semi final. Understandably. But they can't be anything less than 100% against France. And then the, at the other end, I don't know how many chances Morocco are going to get, but they're going to have to take whatever comes their way uh, in the final third. Uh, it feels like a game. I would not write them off at all after everything we've seen the last few weeks, but they're going to have to play it absolutely perfectly. And it's hard to believe that that will happen and Mbappe won't have a moment of genius or, or Griezmann or Giroud. So, yeah, it'll be France for me. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Phil, do you want to give us any any hope beyond that? <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with Lewis. I, I think what they've done is is incredible. I think the whole story or the whole journey really from appointing their manager quite late um, and the fact that he's had to put this squad, you know, a very disjointed, unhappy squad back together and now it's been you know, an incredible story with with a lot of hearts won along the way and, and some amazing defensive, brave performances. And they've 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 had their moments, they've done the shocks, they've done the surprises. But you know, imagine, imagine to beat Spain 
Portugal and France to be in a World Cup final. I mean, it would just be unheard of, unheard mm. of. I mean, and I would love it to happen. I, I've really come to appreciate them and, and some of their players. Um, for me, I had a Amrabat number of inappropriate been... historical comments I wanted to make when you said that, by the way, the beating France, Spain, and Portugal, but I, I kept them all to myself. And I'm just, just choose the best one. No, no, none, none of them are acceptable. <laughs> the, the good thing about, uh, see, when, when you censor yourself, you're not supposed to say you had an idea for a comment, but you know, you just, lot, you just put it stuff. out there. You just put it just, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think for sure Amrabat's been still one of the players of the tournament. A few of them will absolutely be getting January moves and summer moves and, and well-deserved, but I see that France team and it's just, it's been there. It's done that. They have the quality, you know, I think the story, the dream dies tomorrow, but I would love it if it didn't. Yeah. I, I think that there's probably more of a chance than most people give them. Um, but the expectation will be the France go through. I have to say a French, a French team led up front by Olivier Giroud, a heck of a lot easier to root for than Karim Benzema. Um, and so I can kind of get behind the France thing. And, and that's weird because from you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I didn't hate Giroud. I just felt that we could have used a better one a to his one B. Right? I mean, that was always the argument. It was never well understood. Okay. Look at this shameless backtracking okay. I, here. I hated now. him. I just glory hunting. Him. Look, here's the reality <laughs> of it. Far okay. Too easy, by the the way. guy is handsome, and I, I just, you know, I, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. Um, he is handsome. Yeah. I saw him in Las Vegas once did in you? the airport. I did. Was he, he was doing on the, my flight. Was he doing the whirlpool thing, the the windmill thing that we've seen him do? In the, like, in, in the, <laughs> no, he, no, he wasn't. He, he wasn't was fully in like a, a show. He wasn't in a, in a cabaret or anything. No, no, fully clothed and waiting for his luggage. But I was too shy to go and say something to him. Me and my dad, and I regret it to this day. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, maybe had you said something to him, you would have said something that hurt his feelings and dissuaded him from going on having the career he had. So. You know, sliding doors moment for you there, Phil, and for Olivier Giroud. Look, I, I, my point is, no, no, it's not fair to pretend I had a point. I didn't have a point at any at any time during that rambling mess. Everyone is dumber for having listened to it. But I think what I will say is that I think France will probably go through. And I'm going to be rooting for Argentina, guys. Let's just get it on the line right now. Let's say, let's say, Mor- if Morocco goes through, it's going to be hard to root for anybody else. But let's say France gets through. Are you, are you both loose? I'll start with you. Are you rooting for Messi to get his World Cup? and cement his place as the undeniably best footballer of all time, if that is even deniable at this point? Yeah, personally. like I, the, the last few World Cups, my mentality going into them has been that I would really like to see Argentina win it for, for that factor that Lionel Messi walks away with a World Cup at the end of his mm-hmm. career. Um, and obviously, hasn't worked out the last couple he uh, has one more chance now and he's got himself all the way to the final. So it's now or never. Yeah, I, that's definitely uh, definitely how I feel about it. I, like I said before, it's been a privilege to watch him. I've never enjoyed watching a footballer so much who hasn't played for Arsenal um, and I doubt I ever will. So he might as well win a World Cup as well to top it all off. It would be unbelievable if he scores a goal in the final to win the World Cup over France, takes his boots off at full time and says, I'll never kick another ball again and retires from football. It would be better than just moving to MLS just to get more money. Like it, Lionel it would Messi be, it would be better than more anything. money. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Phil, are you gonna be in are you gonna be team Messi if if that's the final we get? France versus Argent, Argentina? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I've been quite lucky to be in a position where I like all four teams in the in the semifinals. Mm. There's been a kind of likableness to each of them. And I wouldn't be mad if, if France won. I'd be over the mood if Morocco won. But I just think Messi, he needs it for the arc, the story arc, the, the you know, the dream, the the legacy. It ends it ends on Sunday, the greatest of all time, and and he can go down as as finally taking that that wonderful gold trophy. So I'm I'm team Messi and team Argentina for this one. It's gonna be if that's how it goes the world, I mean, you talk about Qatar getting their money's worth. It's going to be one of the most remembered and revered World Cups of all time in terms of on pitch um, what happened. And it's just so interesting compared to obviously all the other stories that have that have circled around it. But you talk about getting your money's worth, my goodness. Um, another, another conversation for another episode. We'll leave it there. I think the thing I'll say is that I, I do sort of wonder if the referees will also be a little bit like, we're going to get messy. That, we're going to get messy that World Cup. By the it, way, can we just put something to bed here? Yes. It was a penalty. Of course it was a penalty. Were, it were was a penalty. It, it never even occurred to me to say anything else. No, the, the, Elliot, this has been a big thing today. I, you, what? Maybe no. you've missed it because like, you're in a different time zone and the World Cup works a little bit differently. But this has been, a, and, a, and especially what? apparently, me and Phil didn't see it, but on English UK TV. coverage. Yeah. Uh, How's it not a yeah. penalty? apparently the idea that the goalkeeper can't move and I'm like, well, I don't know, he steams out to get the ball and then misses the ball. Takes so. him out. He misses the ball and he takes him out. He gets his leg. Like It's he, a he, clear uh, penalty. Clear, clear, clear penalty. It's I'm astonishing really, to me that that's even, like, the funny thing is it never, I didn't even bring it up because it never occurred to me that it might be a topic of conversation. I'm, I'm just glad we're all on the same page because I couldn't believe when I looked at my phone at half time and saw a load of people going mad about this discussion. That like honestly, that that has shocked me more than anything that's happened in the World Cup. That somebody thought that's not a penalty. And Aaron like, Neville of all people. But we want that to be a penalty. We you can't do that. What's not? What's <laughs> what? It, this isn't like the player just ran into the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper came storming out, didn't get the ball, took the man. You can't Completely. do that. Completely. You, you just can't do that. <laughs> that's the, the like. That's a classic example of what you can't do. So, Forget the goalkeeper. Let's say it's a let's say it's just a tackler in midfield. Yeah. And I come storming in and I go for the ball and I miss the ball and I take the man. It's a yeah. penalty. I mean it's a, it's a foul. I mean like uh, wow. I'm flabbergasted. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you heard of this first like live <laughs> recording. I'm, I'm literally flabbergasted. This is a this is a shocking moment for me. Uh, at, at the very end, and here you come, at, at, the, at the end of the podcast, shocking me. I didn't think I could be shocked by anything anymore, but I am. All right, well. Have that, Gary. If they G-Nev. need me to come on Sky Sports and replace Gary Neville on Monday Night Football, like I'll do it reluctantly because I've got a <laughs> podcast to run and that'll be difficult, but I'll do it. God knows I will be able to say, I see what the plan is at Arsenal. So, you know, if very they need good. someone who can see what the plan is at Arsenal, uh, I'm your man. Sky, ring me up. You got my number. You literally don't have my number, but, you know, I would give it to you. Anyway, uh, Lewis is on Twitter at LG Ambrose. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you. Phil Costa is on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thank you, Phil Costa. Same time tomorrow. Hopefully earlier. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Yeah, I just sort of blacked out and forgot that we were doing a podcast because I was so mesmerized by Messi. We're going to have one more of these for the semifinals, one more of these for the finals maybe even one summary pod i don't know we're getting near the end though you've almost made it back to arsenal but until that time you gotta stick it out with us a little bit longer we love you 
And we will talk to you after your country down on the country note.